0: Audiologist, a Phonak podcast. Welcome to today's episode of The Audiologist. At the microphone is Lisa Bassick, Manager of Audiology Thought Leadership at Phonak Headquarters. Did you know that there are over 55 million people worldwide living with dementia and that every year there are nearly 10 million new cases? Well, I have good news. Today's podcast sheds new light on the potential benefits of hearing intervention on the cognitive health of your adult clients. In this episode, we will discuss new outcomes of the Enhanced study. This is a prospective cohort study of the effects of hearing aid use on cognitive performance in older adults with hearing loss. This study started before the pandemic and was paused during lockdown in Australia. So the three-year results are now ready. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce the chief lead investigator of this study, Professor Julia Sarant. Julia is an audiologist and researcher in the Faculty of Medicine, Dentistry and Health Sciences at the University of Melbourne, Australia. She has over 30 years of clinical research experience and leads the Hearing Loss and Cognition Program in the Department of Audiology and Speech Pathology. Good morning, Julia. It is so wonderful to have you live in person in Switzerland in our studio today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
0: So these findings, when we're looking at the enhanced study, are really so important for changing the conversation around hearing loss and and really important in really looking at uh, the role of hearing health when it comes to healthy aging. So when we're talking about the enhanced study, Uh, I know it's not a new study. This has been something that I think has been going on since 2016. Is that correct? 2017. 2017. And so maybe in 2016, is it correct, where you actually just first designed the study? I have that written down in my notes. And um, you partnered with Sanova to kind of make this happen. So when we think about that, that's you know, seven years ago. That's a long time ago and not much was being done in this area at that time. So you're certainly a pioneer and I'm just wondering kind of what was the impetus behind that? What drew you to kind of design the study and partner with Sanova?
1: I think um, what you mentioned before about the fact that the prevalence of hearing loss and cognitive decline are are increasing with our ageing population. It seemed to me that this was becoming a really big problem and that it needs to be addressed it also fascinates me, I, you know, we don't understand what the relationship between hearing loss and cognitive decline is, um, and I'm, it's just a scientifically really interesting thing to, to think about and work on, so I really wanted to do that. And it also offers a really big opportunity to make a difference to people's lives, and that's why I do what I do, that's what's always driven me, so that was why I wanted to start working in this area. Why Sonova? Uh, we already had an existing relationship with Sonova in our department, but also um, I think that Sonova is very much a a blue sky company. They are prepared to um, consider longer term projects. They're prepared to to stick their necks out a little bit and um, invest in things where we don't know what the outcome will be. And that's a really, really important thing when you're looking at a scientific study. Also, the company has a number of uh, scientists who work here. And so there's a really good understanding in the company about what's required and how long it might take to do quality research and find quality evidence. Right. It is so
0: important that this is a longitudinal study and that we're, you know, taking, you know, different points of looking at results. And I know that a few years ago, you were visiting Sonova and you were talking about your 18 month results. And I remember how exciting that was. And you wrote an article for the audiology blog and you summarized your findings. And although it was only at the 18 month mark, I remember just being so excited about those findings that I immediately like phoned my parents and I told them like, wow, you know, hearing health is so important for your cognitive health. And we have these new findings coming out that support that. And they immediately had their hearing tested. And I remember thinking it really had on my personal life. So I have to thank you for this research because it really has helped my parents who really value healthy aging. And maybe actually you can tell us a little bit about what those initial results at 18 months were.
1: Sure. So initially at eighteen months, what what the prime result was that we saw stability and not decline. So the eighteen month results were looking only at our hearing aid user group. We weren't comparing them with anybody, we didn't have enough data, it was at the very beginning. And so we found that um, our hearing aid participants were not declining. Over time, so the first 18 months they remained stable. And in some cases, they actually improved. So we saw an improvement in executive function, which is the ability to plan, the ability to use information to make decisions, initiate things. Um, So we saw actually a significant improvement from baseline, and that was very exciting. It was something we didn't expect to see. We were hoping to see a reduction in rate of decline. Um, and instead we saw things go the other way. So that was a real surprise. So that was that, that was our main finding. We saw this improvement in this one area and we also saw stability across the rest of the other areas of cognition that we looked at. Yeah,
0: those are incredible
1: findings. And I know
0: that at that point, I remember having a conversation with you where you were saying, like, we have to be patient because, you know, this is only 18 month findings and we still want to look, let's say, at three years. And so time has flown and now here we are at the three year mark and we are really excited to hear the findings from this. So, how have your study findings changed since that 18 month? What have you found in the second half of your findings?
1: Okay, so what we've found is we've maintained that stability. So we've maintained that stability in cognitive outcomes now over three years. So instead of going down, as you would expect to see in the normal population, because cognitive ageing is a thing that happens to everybody, uh, what we've seen in our hearing aid group is uh, stability. So they're, they're still doing the same, they're not going down. What we've been able to do at this point is collect some data on our control group and we've seen in those people that they are going down. And when we do a comparative analysis and we look directly at the results of the hearing aid group compared to our ABLE control group, we're seeing the ABLE people are uh, going down on all four subtests and the hearing aid people are the same, uh, are, are not going down at the same rate. Um, on one of the subtests, that that result was not statistically significant, but the trend was the same. So our hearing aid people are stable, our control group is going down, as you would expect to see in the normal population.
0: Yeah. And to me, that is incredible because my parents have aged very well, just going back to that example. And every time I visit them and I go to Canada every year, and I just hope that they've maintained their function. And, uh, you know, in all aspects, their, you know, uh, social groups have stayed the same. They're still involved, um, you know, in their gardening, all their physical activities. And so all aspects of their well being have really stayed strong. And that cognition piece and keeping their hearing health. Um, just top priority and and it just brings me joy knowing that they actually can impact their overall well being and their Um, you know, their overall health. And we had a conversation offline a little bit earlier about, you know, how important it is that we have quality life, you know, like that we don't want just to have quantity. It's not just about the age on your birthday cake. It's about having really good quality of life during those years. And watching my parents age well has brought me such joy and I hope I can age as well. And I will definitely take care of my hearing health. And this is just so promising that we have the power Um, as hearing care professionals to change the conversation around hearing loss and the importance of hearing well and how it's linked to healthy aging. So I just think this is such incredible findings um, and really excited that you're able to share with that. When it comes to like daily practice, maybe what would be kind of something that I would love for you to share with our listeners since so many of them are seeing people come in through their doors every day and they're having those conversations about the importance of um, hearing well for healthy aging, what are some tips that you would give our listeners and what they should kind of keep in mind in their clinical practice um, and and what they should
1: start doing maybe tomorrow? Everything. <laughs> Thanks. Good advice. So the first thing I, I would like to say is that I think um, with the increasing awareness in the public of the concept of cognitive aging and the concept of Hearing loss being related to faster cognitive decline. The first thing I would like to say is that I think it's really important that audiologists uh, don't cause alarm, um, particularly if people are hearing this from for the first time. So I think it's really important to make sure that people understand that this is something that they can have some input into their, their own healthy aging. They're in a position of of relative power, there are things they can do to change the trajectory that might otherwise occur. So that's the first thing, don't cause alarm. Um, the second thing that I think is really important and that is a basic tenet of, of um, patient-centred care is to involve the family in all appointments. And I was talking to you, Lisa, offline earlier about the fact that if you're an audiologist and you see someone either for the first time or maybe once a year... Um, you can quite often miss uh, picking up on things such as increased cognitive impairment. Family members don't. So, I was talking to you about the example of my own parents. So, my father had Alzheimer's disease and my mother has vascular dementia. And both of them were quite capable of easily fooling their general practitioner when they went along for their six monthly or yearly checkups because it, there's a social script. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Is anything uh, having any problems? Oh, no, no, I'm fine. Whereas I knew that they were not fine and um, they were able to get away with that in the professional context. So if you have a family member, they're going to be much more aware of all the little things that are going on in their their parent or their spouse's lives, for example, and they're going to be able to give you information that you can use to possibly help and refer people on Mm -hmm. to other allied health professionals so that their overall health is managed, not just their ears. The other thing is that the literature shows that people who use, who trial hearing aids, if they have the understanding and the help of their family, then they do better and they're more likely to become users. So there are two functions to that. One is moral support. And the other one is whenever any of us go to an uh, appointment with a professional, the statistics show that about 50% of what's said to us, we forget. So whether it's a medical appointment, an audiological appointment, we just can't absorb all of the information. And if you're fitted with hearing aids, a lot of that information is quite technical. So if you have another person there with you, they can help remember some of those things and they can help help you with when you walk out of the door and you have to manage this new device. In line with that, another thing that I think is important is to try and get across to clients the importance of starting to use hearing aids as young as possible. And that is because Um, as well as our ears ageing, our brains are ageing, and our ability to adapt to differences and our ability to learn to manage new technology and our brain's ability to rewire in response to the increased auditory stimulation all decline with age. And there's quite a lot of evidence in the literature that people who uh, start using hearing aids younger for all of those reasons do better. They get more benefit. They find it easier to adapt they are more frequent users than people who start older and it's a more of an uphill battle. Going back to the point about not causing alarm and, and empowering people, I think it's really important for people who come in with an awareness of cognitive ageing and and other forms of ageing that audiologists give people access to resources that they can use to manage their own healthy ageing. And I think the WHO websites are a very good example of that information. The information on those websites is based on evidence and uh, it can empower people to do things such as exercise that will help maintain their healthy ageing and their function over time. It's also really important, I think, that audiologists who I think have been siloed for most of our profession start to build relationships and networks with other allied health professionals and with medical professionals. I think that's the way care is going. It should be more holistic so that, for example... If a family comes in and we have a, we have a, the family member, the client who is demonstrating cognitive impairment, then we know who to refer to. We can't, you know, we're not just treating a set of ears. We need to establish those networks so that we can help our clients in a more holistic way to manage their healthy ageing and maintain their function. And also in a more proactive and and dare I say, preventative way. So I think up until now, until very recently, the medical profession has been about treating problems, treating illness when it arises, and not so much about preventing or delaying them. And I think we are sort of the same. So what we need to be doing is shifting our focus to delay and prevention and proactivity um, rather than waiting until there's a problem. We give people power and information and referral to other sources and, and other supports that can help maintain that function over time and treat people more holistically. But that means we have to get out and establish those links with other professions and work, start to work together in a way that I don't think has occurred in the past.
0: So I feel like we have the tips, we have the background. It's wonderful to know kind of just how promising these results are. When you are thinking future, what is happening? And like, I know the last time I saw you, we were talking about these three-year results and it felt like they were so far in the future. And here we are at this point, what comes next? What are you working on?
1: We're working on growing first in terms of the enhanced study. We're working on growing the sample size and also growing the length of of time over which we're following these people. So three years in the context of cognitive ageing and the development of cognitive decline is nothing. You know, dementia takes decades to develop. We also don't know what's going to happen. So how big of an effect is hearing aid use going to have on cognition? What is the trajectory of that effect? Is it going to... Are people who use hearing aids in this study going to stay the same forever as they age? Probably not. Are they going to improve over time as the neural rewiring occurs? At what point are they going to go down? We don't know. So we don't know how large the effect is and we also don't know how long it will last. So, you know, we want to be in a position where we can say when we've got a large sample size we've followed for a long period of time to give audiologists information about if clients come in and say, "Okay, if I I take up hearing aid use, what is that going to do for me? Maybe we'll be in the position down the track to be able to say, Okay we, we you know based on our results we think that you might be able to maintain your cognitive status for X years longer than you might otherwise have. We just don't know. so we want to see um, over time what happens and when it happens and we want to have a larger sample size so that we can generalize these results to the, the wider population. So unfortunately, because this is an Australian study and we spent two years in lockdown related to COVID, we lost a lot of data and we couldn't recruit any more new people. So we need to we need to regain that ground and make up for that loss, uh, grow the credibility of these initial results over time. So that's the enhanced study. Another thing I'm I'm doing is I've got some recent funding in Australia to look at what influences referral behaviour in the medical profession? Because we know that most people will go to their doctor if they feel they have a hearing loss and their doctors are not really wanting to have that discussion. Um, Most time is spent in medical appointments talking about other health issues. So older adults often have cancer and heart disease and things like that. So we want to find out what is influencing whether or not hearing loss even gets raised in those appointments and how can we design something to change that. We're also doing a similar study looking at uh, what factors are influencing hearing aid uptake and use and what can we do to change those behaviours. So what can we do to change the seven to ten year delay that people have before they seek help when they know they have hearing loss and what can we do to enhance hearing aid uptake and use rates because they're pretty low worldwide at the moment Um, Another thing I'd love to do in the future is look at what is the effect of people who already have some cognitive decline, so say people who have mild cognitive impairment of using hearing aids. And that's something that's a bit messy at the moment to be looking at. We need to find out what happens when we start with normal cognition, because when you go to people who have mild cognitive impairment... At any given time, a third of them will go, uh, continue to decline to dementia. A third of them will remain stable, and a third of them will revert back to normal cognition. So that's a very messy setup. So we need to know first of all what happens in people who begin with normal cognition. Before you know, then we could maybe include people who have some degree of cognitive impairment and see can we reverse that? Can we not? You know, can we at least slow the rate of decline? I don't know. And then lastly. I'm really keen on um, doing some neuroimaging to have a look and see what's happening in the brain in terms of the rewiring when we do use hearing aids um, and what are the differences in structure and also in function in people who do and don't use hearing aids. So there are a few things I'd like to work on in future.
0: That is really incredible. I thought one of those you would let me know of and you are incredibly busy and it's so nice to have you here and giving us kind of a a sneak peek of what's to come. And I know before we know it, um, we'll be seeing each other again in a few years and you'll have more of an update for us. And then we will always publish updates on our Phonak Audiology blog. Um, So that's a wonderful way of staying in touch with your findings. And I love these new studies. You're doing such meaningful work and really changing the way we look at hearing healthcare and and having such an impact. So thank you very much on behalf of um, hearing care professionals of just the, the work that you're doing to make um, improvements in how we approach hearing healthcare, I really appreciate your time today. If you would like to dive deeper into this topic, please visit our website at phonac.com. Goodbye, and thank you for listening. The Audiologist, a Phonak Podcast.